You're listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live, with your hosts, Eric Provoznik, Jim Culver, Marty Zamora, and Christine Leninger. Hey everyone, it's Cameron Lowe here, I'm president of the Association of Professional Ballplayers of America, and we are on the All Over the Place podcast, where the fun sanity never ends. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. I'm your host, Eric Pervoznik, and with us tonight, co-host Christine Leninger. Hello. How are you, Christine? Fabulous. And not with us tonight. Uh, Jim is on vacation. Marty is unfortunately uh, MIA. He had a, a doctor's appointment, but uh, I'm glad he's, he's feeling better and rehabbing with a previous guest, uh, uh, courtesy Mr. Cameron Lowe and his Halo Wellness. He hooked Marty up with some treatments out in Cali. So uh, Marty will be back soon, feeling better than ever, thanks to our guest Cameron Lowe. And we have with us tonight our second second-time guest. We, she has been a referee, a football referee from Pop Warner all the way up to the NFL and everything in between. She is also the director of officials over at the Canyon Athletic Association and here to promote her book, Lady Ref, Making Calls in a Man's World. Welcome back to all over the place, Shannon Easton. Thank you, Eric, and thank you, Christine, for having me on again. I appreciate it. Very welcome. Our pleasure. And I mentioned the, the bona fides there, football from the, the little kids all the way up through the, the big babies in the NFL. Uh, and now you've got the book. What prompted you to do the book at this stage of the game? Um, you know, the the book is something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time, but until every last um, uh, avenue had been explored in terms of trying to get back into the NFL or wherever else I was going to go, I couldn't tell the entire story. So now that officially I'm done, um, there's no way back for me to get back into the NFL. It was really a perfect time for me to uh, bring this book out um, to the public and tell the tell the whole story. Nice. And one thing I really like about the book is the conversational style. It is like, and you know, full full disclaimer here. And then I, I have been a referee for Shannon for uh, most of my years here in Arizona, whether it's on the football field, basketball field, but mostly baseball and softball. But the, the conversational style, it's just like you know, being in a room with you telling stories. And just how easy was it for you to just have all the recall and just go through it and make this book just so so easy to read and just fun to read? Um, honestly, this was not easy. It's one of the hardest things. I've ever done in my life. Um, I had an incredible co-writer who really brought the story to life. I thought I could write, so to speak, but not anything like what the book needed to be. So I'm forever grateful to her for bringing the story to life and make it, it, it what it is because um, I'm not saying it because it's my story, believe me, but it's just really a good story and how it is written. I give her the credit for that. It's uh, it's easy to read. It's, uh, it's one of those books you can pick it up and a few people have said it's kind of hard to put down because you can kind of flow right through it so absolutely and uh, yeah I, I got it yesterday and i'm almost done i'm, I'm <laughs> getting there so about like the, the conversational side just the little asides and everything and just the the main theme that keeps coming back is just you know adversity and just standing up to it facing it down and just knocking knocking it down and just when when i mean it's, it's in the book but you know just uh, let's give a little teaser uh, to to some portions of the book but at what point in your life did you realize you know what nothing's going to stop me this is who i am and and whatever you know it what i want i'm going to get yeah you know i actually didn't realize i wanted to be an official until 1996 i uh, never even thought about it which is weird because when i had that aha moment 
I was like, why didn't I think about this sooner? But basically I was um, coaching some camps uh, with Christian Athlete Ministries and had to officiate basketball uh, for the teams in between coaching my team. And the first time I blew a whistle, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And so um, like, hmm. so it was like a light bulb went off. And at that moment, I thought I'm going to become a basketball official. And then I, because of my love of football, I asked myself and a few people if it would be kind of weird to do football because there wasn't really many women that I knew of that were doing football at the time. And I was told, no, go for it. So um, fast forward, I did work basketball, but my my real passion was football from the beginning. So yeah, so it wasn't something that I could say my, you know, I grew up and as a kid, I wanted to be an official. I had no idea. I never even thought about it. So it was really that moment was when I decided. Well, one thing I, I failed to mention uh, in, in your intro is you're six-time judo champion, national judo champion, correct? And just... Uh, and and that that's where I'm thinking back to you know just sports or or, or competition and, and all that and just uh, what drew you to, to judo especially at a time when judo was not something that could be competed at, at you know at upper levels for for women. Yeah, well, actually, when I was um, I don't know six seven years old, I had a love for the game of football and thought I would love to play. And I know you could play pop Warner football, even though again there wasn't many girls doing it. I asked my mom if I could play and she said no. So we looked into some other things and that was kind of our compromise. I didn't even really know what judo was all about, but I wanted something that was more of a contact sport. And so um, actually I tried karate first. I was real bored and then found judo and it was, uh, it came real easy, not easy. It's a lot of hard work, but it came natural to me. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was, it was a, a big part of my childhood. So yeah. And you've, you've got an older brother and being an older brother, did you want to get into the contact sports so that maybe it could be a way to uh, make sure he wasn't picking on you as much? No, I, no, um, I don't think so. But there was uh, one day that he was causing me some issues and I got him in a pen and told him I wasn't letting him up until my mother got home. So it did come in handy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say I'm glad, I'm glad that my brothers never uh, figure out anything until they actually got bigger than I was. And then that just changed the dynamic completely. And they're, they're both football players. I was a soccer player. So, ah. yeah. yeah. Now, now I got to watch out for Christine's two boys as they get bigger. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I keep warning the little one that uh, they might get bigger. So, um, and you, know, you mentioned your mom. And one of the things, you know, and those of us who grew up in the 70s and the 80s, our moms or our dads, it was typically the moms who were taking people, taking us to, to our competitions, to our games and everything. And one thing I really liked about it, your mom, not only driving you literally, but she also, you know, was there to, to drive you and to inspire you. And you know, tell, tell us about that uh, relationship you had with your mom in that regard. My mom was with me every step of the way. She was my biggest supporter. She was a person pushing me um, as hard as maybe even harder than maybe she should have <laughs> a little bit, you know, but but she also knew that I wanted to be the best and um, knew what it took to make sure that I had every opportunity to be the best, to get the best coaching, take me anywhere I needed to go, um, bought a van so we could drive across the country so I could go to all the competitions that I needed to go to. Um, so it, it, she was one of those, um, a little bit of the crazy mom on the sideline, you know, screaming her head off for me. And I really honestly never even heard her, which is kind of funny, but um, <laughs> very passionate about what I was doing for sure. And um, yeah, she just, um, she did everything she could to, 
make sure that I had an opportunity to be successful. That's wonderful. So Shannon, um, you mentioned about, and of course the title of your book is Lady Ref making calls in a man's world, that adversity. Um, what did, have you learned like overall, what have you learned and, you know, coming up through, you know, being an official and getting to the NFL and all of that, what do you bring forward with you <sighs> now? I've learned a lot. Um, obviously, there was a lot of perseverance. There was a lot of things that during the time that I came up that um, things have changed now. Um, doors have swung wide open for women in officiating. Um, so that is completely different than the time that I grew up or, or you know, was coming up in officiating. Uh, one thing I would say personally that I, I learned and I try to when I speak to young officials coming up is I didn't have any balance in my life. I had none. Uh, everything I did was I wanted to be, I wanted to be an NFL official. I did everything I could, went to every camp, didn't take vacations. Every dollar I spent was to go to a football camp, missed a lot of family things. Like, I mean, you know, you need to do what you need to do to accomplish your goals. Yes. But if I could say anything that I learned about myself personally is that I lost the balance of my life. And um, that family and friends are far more important than, um, you know, being all in to the point where you miss out on opportunities. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, you don't want to say you regret things because it's kind of a strong word, but, um, you know, my dad passed away last year and there's a lot of, you know, missed opportunities. Um, you know, now you look back and you're like, wow, you know, time, so time can be all too short. And I think that's the thing that I, I love more about my book than I like football aspect of it is just the um, life and talking about life and about the things that are more important. And, and I do, Eric, you haven't got to that part of the book, but I do talk about some, some people that have died in that, um, you know, that you just never expected. And many people that were super instrumental to me that I talk about in my book, oh my gosh, the list is so long of those that aren't even here anymore. So, um, so yeah, so if I say anything, it's just, you know, try to maintain balance in pursuit of those dreams um, and not lose that. Well, the two people you've uh, dedicated the book to, uh, Tom Scarduzio and Dan Evans, Tell us about them. Yeah, and how well, Tom. They to move along. Yeah. Oh man, without them, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Tom uh, Scarduzio was the supervisor of junior college here in Arizona, and super aggressive in his thinking. He was a lawyer. He was uh, just one of those guys that the idea of bringing a woman in. He he was my biggest cheerleader. Um, if it wasn't him in that position, and it was somebody else. I don't know. I don't know if they would have gave me the opportunity. But he was completely open to it. Just wanted to make sure I was prepared, which is great. I needed to be. But uh, he gave me an opportunity that I might not otherwise have gotten at the junior college level here. And then fast forward to years later, when I was banging my head on that glass ceiling, repeatedly trying to get to the next level, um, Dan Evans um, gave me an opportunity in the MEAC. Um, and it's it's funny how everything everything works together. And I hope when you read the book, you see how things just worked together to, for the story. It just and I actually had met Dan years previous. Um, a gentleman by the name of Johnny Johnny Greer, who was an NFL official, he's also passed away. Johnny had invited me to Florida A and M to work a scrimmage, and the referee that was working that game was Dan Evans. And so I worked a few snaps on the line of scrimmage, and then Dan had asked, "Do you referee at all?" And I said, "I, I love to referee. I just 
don't at the higher levels because like you're never going to move as a referee and he's like here you go the scrimmage is yours so like after five snaps he took a seat and said this scrimmage is yours <laughs> and so i took his spot and then years later when i i didn't know where else to go anymore i was like about ready to throw in the towel i heard that dan evans was the supervisor of the MEAC now so i sent him an email and this was literally my last this was like a hail mary i'm like hello dan <laughs> I don't even know if you're going to remember me. We met at Florida A&M years ago. He goes, yes, I remember you and I need a referee. And I'm like, I'm, I can't, I, I'm like, uh, I'm not asking to be a referee. I'm asking, I just want to get in the conference. And he's like, nope, I need a referee. And so unheard of to get hired as the crew chief for a division one conference. But Dan gave me that opportunity because he remembered nice, what nice. I did at Florida A&M. And so without those two guys, I mean, who knows how this story goes? You just don't know. And, and, he's, and, and unfortunately, excuse me, Dan has passed away as well. So cool. very yeah. sad. Both Tom Scarduzio and Dan have both passed away. And that's one of the things I, I you know, in the, the short time that, that we've known each other, that uh, it's that paying it forward. And you're definitely someone who, you know, sees talent in somebody and then and then tries to nurture that talent and bring them up so it's just it's cyclical and just as you do then especially when you mentioned uh, to to the women who are, are referees and you're telling them the opportunities that they have you're obviously the first person doing anything is the most difficult but and, and but as you've done that and and you you see doors opening wider now do you see or how how much do you see with with the pendulum swinging to a point where who cares if you're a woman mm-hmm. what are your qualifications are you are are you being based on you know the merits of of what you know as a as a referee yeah and that's one thing that I I mean I think it's great I think the, it's great that the doors are opening for women there's no doubt about that um, they needed to open but now as as women that are give, being given those opportunities you need to be prepared to be ready. I mean, it's not going to help anybody for you to just step in and not be prepared for the opportunity that you're given. So I just, you know, I, I'm, of course, we're grateful for the, we're grateful that things have swung the opposite direction, but we need to make sure that we don't take that for granted. Um, and that we realize that it doesn't mean we have a, a free pass that mm-hmm. we need to get in and we need to be strong and not, you know, not blow the opportunities that we're given. So, um, Sorry about that. My little puppy's asking for attention. All the time. Oh, we're, we're used to dogs on this show. They, they, they want to be a part of it. We get it. No, no apology necessary there. But anyways. Well, and, and you know, as a mentor and as a trainer, as an assigner, what have been some of your uh, more more memorable success stories? Um, um, a couple people that I have had the opportunity to help mentor train um, are working professional in two different sports, basketball and football. So that's awesome. Um, glad I got to have, share a tiny little piece of, you know, their their success story and um, help them to to meet, you know, to reach their goals as well. So that's really cool to see. And and not just officials, but I've also officiated. Um, gosh, I mean, I'm dating myself. I won't tell you the the players that I've officiated because you're like you're really old. <laughs> but um, but just some of the we're players the same age. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, we're all the same age. It's okay. <laughs> some of the players though that have now gone on to the nba or the nfl that have actually i think gotten there and now have retired so that tells you where we're at so they, they have very short careers okay yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so that's really that's really cool really cool to see yeah 
And uh, Christine, there is a portion in the book, and again, to, to date ourselves on this one, but Shannon was watching the Super Bowl between your Bears and her Patriots. Although, Shannon, you, you count yourself a little bit of a Bears fan, too, but Walter Payton is mentioned. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Always nice to see Sweetness's name. Yeah. That is, I'm not a Bears fan, but Walter Payton was my favorite player. That's what, yeah, Walter. And I have a very sad story that I write about. I think I, do I tell the story in the book about how the ball was stolen? I can't remember. Maybe I didn't. Uh, the only thing I remember was, as far as I've gotten now, you mentioned that you wanted to have him. Your a okay. goal of yours was to have him, have him autograph a football. Yeah, so I had I had a, the '86 uh, Super Bowl commemorative ball, wow. and I said I'm not going to have anybody sign it until I can find Walter Payton and have him sign it personally. So I held the ball until I think it was I think it was 2006 when the Super Bowl was here. I think it was. So 20 years I had that ball, and I um, Walter Payton was signing at a mall here locally. So I brought the ball, and I'm like, I've been holding this ball for 20 years to get your signature on it. Well, unfortunately, my house was broken into um, a few years later. That ball is no longer with me. It was the only thing possession-wise um, of that kind of thing um, that I really valued, and it was very sad. I still think that ball one day will come back to me, but um, yeah, it's no longer with me. So the football gods, the 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 lowercase g, of course. But these things. That Something will make its way back to you. I am positive of that. Well, and in the book, um, there's a horrible picture of me with Walter Payton, but it was the only one I had. And there's a picture of me and him in the ball after he signed it. So it is in the book. So if anybody reads the book, take a look at that picture in that ball. It's very identifiable. If you see that ball, please you bring know it back the person to who me. did it. Reach bring out it back home to me. <laughs> so. You can do it anonymously. Your friend who stole it will not be identified by you. Yes. Maybe. Well, and uh, speaking uh, uh, with God, uppercase G in this case, one, one, as, as a fellow believer, mm -hmm. one of the, the through lines of the book, I just you know, your faith mm -hmm. and just, you know, similarly, you know, we're, we're, we're a strong believer, younger, falling away, but then then coming back. Talk, talk to us about how your relationship with God has, has helped guide you. Yeah. Um, you know, when you write a book like this, um, when I when I first wrote my the first draft before I ever had a ghostwriter and then a co-writer later on, um, I didn't mention any of my massive failures. Um, and the first person that read it, they're like, man, you are so perfect, aren't you? I said, no, I'm the least perfect person I know. And they're like, all right, we need to put some of that imperfection into your book. And so um, you will see that when you read it. It's that's the stuff that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to let people know that, man, I I failed. I failed miserably in some um, regards. And, um, but thankfully, uh, through my failures, God was still there for me um, every step of the way. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I love the most is that in sharing those with people, it's um, sometimes it makes people identify with you more and understand and can maybe I can help somebody get through some of the same things that I went through. And the one thing that is um, really un unbelievable about my biggest failure, which was I um, had an affair with a married man and um, which was very hard for me to share. But fast forward um, us eventually later after years of on again, off again, our breakup was what drove him to God because he needed something in his life. And so 
it's for me to say that I wouldn't do it all over again if I didn't. I mean, yeah, it was definitely something I'm not proud of, but look at how God took a situation that was not of him. And now this man is serving God. He is serving at his church. He is leading a small group. He group, you know, I mean, so, you know, we can take our failures and just bring the most beautiful thing from them. Regardless, I'm not, again, I'm not proud of some of the things that I did, but um, God was faithful through it out for sure. Well, I, I think he's, he's a kind and forgiving God. And, Absolutely. Uh, another uh, through lines uh, in, in the book is, you know, you're, how competitive you get. And most, most certainly what drove you as as an athlete. And I love the guy. I didn't realize you uh, you had a brief little uh, foray into the uh, the boys wrestling world in high school. And then, Chip, but uh, just your competitive drive, how did you take that as an athlete and then turn that into what, what you did and, and just all, all on the road to the NFL? Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I've just always been, I always felt like I needed to be the best or I could be the best. Like, you know, I'm very realistic with my abilities. You know, I always say, could I ever play in the NFL? Absolutely not. But did I feel from the beginning I could be an official in the NFL? 100%. So I feel like I'm very uh, realistic with what I can do. And then when I realized, like in judo, that national championships, whatever, those were things that were in my grasp. Then it was like up to me to do everything I could to see that I met those goals. And so I've always been really competitive. It's something that I say I'm not com- <laughs> not that competitive anymore. And they're like, oh yeah, right. And crazy story, just to show you that I still unfortunately am very competitive is that I started volunteering with my church youth group and they had cage ball, dodgeball night. And guess who ends up breaking their arm because she has to be the last one standing, dodging balls and you know, this one right here, I break my arm. So, and I even when I stepped in that cage, I said, remember, you're not young anymore. You don't need to be, you don't need to be the last person standing. Just get in there and have fun. And what do I do? I'm diving, whatever. And yeah. We don't out. have an off switch. I know. It just, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. You, you, you slide in shorts. You, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I don't know anyone who's done that. But, but you know, when, when we, another thing I, I love seeing this is, uh, and we're going to get a plug in for, uh, for Jeffrey Bryan right now, um, mentioning the Rocky theme, you know, when you were walking into your judo things. And then, then eventually in 1982, it would have been uh, Eye of the Tiger is playing mm-hmm. so one of our former guests now plays keyboards with survivor so it was uh when, when you've had these things in your life folks when you've got you know uh bill conti and the rocky theme and then survivor doing eye of the tiger we can't even as we get later in life we do not know how to turn off the the competitive switch it doesn't work yeah it's still when i hear that song eye of the tiger it's like i feel like i'm back in the gym i'm like i get pumped up and i'm like bam, 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 bam. you know it's like it just, it's one of those things. It's like, it just stays with you, you know? <laughs> Is that your go song, Shannon? When I was, when I was training. Oh yeah. That was a song that got me pumped up for sure. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. We, I, we, I already stepped in a little bit when I said that, you know, I may or may not give a kid a better strike. So if you can tell me what movie Eye of the Tiger comes from, if that's their walk-up song. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's may or may not. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll neither deny nor confirm that. And uh, well, you guys like talking about that competitive spirit that you have. Um, it, should we talk about before the show what you guys were talking about? <laughs> hey, <laughs> all, all I know is she can. Diana can say I'm dodging her on the Galaga all she wants. <laughs> I've laid down yeah. several opportunities to get out and play it again. I will gladly yeah. next time I'm near the CAA office come in and play on the mini machine. 
I'll do my best on it. May or may not win. Don't know. All I know is anyone who has ever said they can beat me in Galaga, they walk away from a regular machine and oh. they're like, okay, you were right. Did, did you hear what he just said, folks? He said from a regular machine. Regular machine. He has to qualify <laughs> that with a regular machine because well, he threw no. this challenge out to me and we found a one of the big one. Giant machine. Like, I look, I'll be he first, did I not walk away a winner. So I, I lost my, I, I, look, I lost, I lost by maybe four. I think if I recall correctly, it was less than 5,000 points, but I did lose. But look, I wasn't as strong on the big machine. I won't deny it. Well, you put me on a regular machine. I'll flip the machine and you know, uh, within 25 minutes. That's, that's what he keeps saying. So I don't What's know. I've actually seen him do it a couple times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And well, maybe, just, maybe we'll and, get even then. <laughs> and not, not, not just saying, Christine's not just saying that because she, you know, she is my, 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 my PIP, my, my uh, partner in perpetuity. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Shannon, from being on the field to being in the office, like what's better, what's harder? Like what's, um, what's honestly, I mean, probably the assigning is probably harder because it's just, oh my God, you know, I'm not just keeping track of my one, my one schedule and having to do a good job and things like that, but I'm keeping track of, 400 people's schedules and I, sometimes I hate to say it I, I call it adult babysitting because you just would be blown away by the things that grown yeah. and women can't handle on their own and uh, they count on their assigner to help them through it so I'm here to help them there's no doubt about that but um, it can be very um, challenging and taxing for sure. So. Well, I, I, I will say that, you know, I do my best to accept my assignments in a timely yes. manner. And Shannon is very patient on, on times where I may have forgotten to block a date. So no, Eric is very, he is not one of the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> He's not. He is very good. I, I, I do my best to be responsible in, in uh, keeping track of things, no doubt about it. Very good. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. I really do. And uh, now, uh, one of the chapters, you know, again, with the adversity and you know, the last ceilings that you're facing and uh, just uh, whether it was the sexual harassment, the apparent sabotage, the blatant misogyny in the NFL, but you you just kept plugging away at it, plugging away at it, but it's just... How how difficult or just what was it easier? Was it cathartic writing the book to, to relive those things? Yeah, you know, it's I think in a way it is. I mean, people say it's therapy to write things down. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's almost like um, and it's really hard because people ask me a lot of questions and it's funny to say I don't like talking about myself. I really don't. And so now that I have the book, I'm like, you know, you need to read the book because it really tells the entire story because to just tell you, if you ask me a question, I just try to tell you one little snippet. It doesn't really make sense until you see it in the entirety of the book. But I think it definitely was helpful. No doubt about it. Um, just to put it all out there. And, and it's not just everything that bad ha that, you know, whatever bad that happened to me or that I had to go through. Um, it was, there was a lot of people that helped me and I wanted to, people that, you know, helped me to know how much they impacted my life, like Dan and Tom Scarduzio. And there's so many other people that I wanted them to see in writing that all this stuff I came against, but I still had these great, amazing people that were there to help me through it. And thank God for those people. Um, so, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's both. It's just telling, it's telling the story. It's telling a story that I felt needed to be told. It's not to, you know, trying to make anybody feel bad or it's just what I went through. And um, I just, 
it's I think it's a good story that needed to be told. And and another thing that comes across in, in, in the portions that I've read so far, just surrounding yourself with people, whether it's your mother or your your father or just your siblings, your friends, surrounding yourself with people who want to build you up. Absolutely. Who want who want and what what's the what's the, you know uh, all ships rise together mm-hmm. and, and pettiness. And, you know, if you can't change the people around you, you change the people around you. Exactly. And I always say, you know, for every one person that would tell me I couldn't do it, I tried to find three or four people that told me I could. And you got to hang with those people. You know, you, you're you going to find that encouragement. Um, and when you really need it, trust me, God's going to send somebody your way that's going to give you that boost you need. So, yeah, I had a lot of great people, a lot of great people that helped me. And as you're putting the book together, uh, I'm, I'm just running and going back and like talking with people. Does it mean, did, I mean, did you go back and to help with uh, to re- uh, re- recollect certain events? And, and, and if so, you know, just uh, what, what was their reaction like to uh, you, you assembling and, and writing the book? Yeah. So um, uh, fortunately, I kept every email communication that I ever had, good or bad. So I was told that I would not have really been able to write the story to in as in depth as I did had I not done that. Because when I tell you that I have documentation on everything pretty much I am speaking about, or there was somebody in the room in some of the scenes where I talk about I had some conflict with somebody, there was people there um, that could testify to what happened. Um, this and I'm the type of person I really don't want to be the over exaggerator. I'm like I'll downplay a story because I don't want you to, you know, be like, oh, my gosh. And I mean, I really tried to really just stick to the facts. And of course, some of how I felt, of course, is in that. But I I really stuck to the facts on this because um, this is truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And um, I have a binder full of documentation. So I had that to fall back on. And then I did have some conversations with people. And when the book was coming out, I had to get some permissions to use certain names. And then there was other people that were like, you ain't using my name. If you do, I'm suing you. So then we had to, you know, so I mean, you know, you got to be respectful of people. And, you know, unfortunately, people in Arizona that lived lived it with me, they're going to know who those people are, regardless whether they're, right. you know, but, um, but I want to be respectful of, you know, everybody involved. So, sure. And Christina, you as a publisher, I'm, uh, I'm sure you like the fact when someone uh, has all that documentation there oh, for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. And I don't even know why I was keeping it. That's the weirdest thing. You know, it's like, why was I? And then I, and I did, and I'm like, man, I, I mean, and some great emails that I read and it just makes me smile. You know, some of the stuff I quote in there that the good emails that I got, that, I mean, those are like priceless to me now. Um, but yeah, for some reason I kept everything and that's weird. Cause my personality is I don't keep stuff. I'm going to rip up and throw things away. If I'm not, you know, I don't like a lot of junk, but hmm. this, I just kept everything in a binder and I just kept That's it. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I once again, again, go back to that, uh, the big guy that we love so much. It's he, uh, he wanted you to keep that for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And, and, you know, I, you know, I always say everything happens for a reason. I do believe that. And if I was in, and maybe, you know, there's so many reasons why the NFL, I didn't, wasn't able to get back in because of my support had left. And, you know, there'd been not official promises, but there'd been conversation about, we need to get you back in. But if I would have got back in, I would not have been able to tell the story right now. And so it makes me wonder if that is the reason why I didn't get back in because this story needed to be told. 
don't know. Well, I'm excited that you know it, it, you you've got it out there now, and uh, it's uh, and actually uh, another question I've got you know, as as you've got uh, as you're putting it together, and I, I guess through the years as well, with all the obstacles you had to face, and then you you knock those obstacles down. Did anyone ever you know give you a mea culpa like you know what I was probably too hard on you on that one? You do know what you're doing. You are an excellent. Um, oh yeah, there was a, the, one of my favorite stories of the book is about a coach who. Oh, I, I mean I don't want to tell it all, but no, I mean but, it is literally one of my favorite stories, and it's about Coach G. And again, unfortunately, Coach G has passed, and I've reached out to his kids through Facebook trying to find somebody because I want them to see what I wrote about their dad in this book because he was one of those guys. He was relentless with me my first game and if you haven't gotten to this part in the book um this is a great story and it was terrible like he'd never had a woman on the sideline before he didn't know how to handle himself he was the old school guy he was terrible and 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 unfortunately that game the entire chain crew was all women as well so he was out of his mind and so i moved the chain crew to the other side of the field because i thought you know what it's my job to take what i'm going to take but they don't need to take it so we'll just move them to the other side of the field well he realized he went home that night and he had some sort of aha moment because he realized he did not treat me right. He did not treat me fairly. And he judged me just because I was a woman and called my supervisor on a Sunday. I happened to be working in a hotel that day and said, Coach G, is it okay? He wants to call you. And I'm like, okay. And he calls me and he's like, I need to come see you. And I'm like, no, no. He's like, Shannon, if I do not come get to come see you, I will kill myself. Now, he wasn't suicidal, but he was just trying to express that he had to come see me. And um, he brought me chocolates and I can't remember if it was flowers and this card, the most beautiful card and what he wrote inside. And he it's just funny. I tell I, I write the I write what he wrote uh, in the book. I write what he wrote in the card. And he basically just says and then my co-writer does a fantastic job of bringing another part of that story later on into the book that is just perfect. But he basically just says he was um, I was a professional and I won't use the words he used, but, and he was not. And you know what? I don't even, uh, you know, people say, well, how do you feel about that? It's like, you know what? I don't really even blame him. Was it right? No, of course it wasn't right. But he'd never faced a woman before. And he came to the realization that he was wrong where I've had other coaches before where it didn't matter what I did. I'm a female, I'm wrong, period. That's where they stay. This man, the integrity of this man to realize in less than 24 hours, how horribly he treated me and to right that wrong. I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, that what doesn't a great happen usually. No, what a great, great. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish again, he's another guy that oh, I just wish he could read what I wrote about him because, mm. you know, but I hope his family will get to hope we'll get to read it. So well, well, one of the things I I, I try to impart onto kids is it whether I'm instructing them or teaching or whatever it may be. I like to tell them there are few things in life more rewarding than proving somebody wrong. And I'm glad you were able to do that. I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad you're able to get the get the book written and it's getting out there now. And uh, now the release date is when in September? Well, technically, I think it's September 13th. But everybody okay. that's ordered it from Roman and Littlefield, they're they're already they've already most of them already got their copies. Oh, again, so okay, well, they've already got yeah. them. Now Amazon people haven't. And funny as it seems, I haven't gotten my advance copies from Roman. <laughs> But my friends have so <laughs> so, and it's it's in Barnes and Noble and Scottsdale already for sure because okay. I was there. they've got them already ready for the book signing. They're already selling them, so it's out there. It is out there. So okay, so Arizona people, you know where All to right. go, yeah. and also Arizona people is where I was leading this direction with it. Now Shannon's got some uh, book signings, some meet and greets, and book signings coming up. 
Uh, Scottsdale will be at the Barnes and Noble, and that's going to be on September 16th in Scottsdale, September 23rd at the Barnes and Noble in Mesa, and then into October, October 21st, the Barnes and Noble down in Tucson. The Tucson one is at one o'clock and the Scottsdale and Mesa ones at two o'clock. And so Amazon people, you have to wait a little bit longer, but then... If they want to get it now, Shannon, who who is the uh, they want to go straight to the publisher? Um, yeah, if you go straight to the publisher, everything that you're you it says pre-order, but people are getting their books. Um, so I've got had friends that order ten copies; they've already got them. So Roman and Littlefield seems to be shipping them already. For some reason, I don't see the Amazon people getting them quite yet. Um, and then, like I said, local right to your website, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm so bad at that. Is it still up there? Shannoneaston.com. I believe I put the link up there a while ago for Roman and Littlefield. Um, it is so, there. Yes, I did. I did okay. Thank today, you so because I am super bad with social media in my. We're right there, folks. Right on the ticker right now. Shannoneaston.com. You can go there for that. And Shan, thank you for the advanced copy on the book. All right, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying reading it. Like I said, I'm what uh, five chapters deep already. That, that was just an afternoon. So it's. Uh, my favorite chapter, I can't wait to get to my favorite chapter. It's called Life Changers. It's about an official named Terry Yosik and his grandson. And I hope you, um, I can't wait to talk to you after you read that chapter. That's my favorite chapter. Okay. Well, I know people are going to want to get to this because, well, football season, uh, college football has officially started. We're, we're knee deep into that one uh, even further uh, this coming weekend. Uh, as we're taping right now. Uh, But the NFL season is right around the corner, folks. You can get this book, have it done before the first NFL kickoff. So definitely go check that out at Barnes & Noble or go to shannoneaston.com and you can get the uh, the link to get that through the publisher. And uh, Shannon, thank you again for joining us here on All Over the Place. All, always fun to have you on the show. And you're you're only the second, you're uh, the second member of the the two-time club. Well, thank you so much. It's so fun to talk to you guys. It really, truly is so much fun. Our pleasure, our honor. So uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, down. If nothing else, I'm going to see you at the CAA office and get that Galaga machine ready. <laughs> oh, boy. Rephrase, the mini Galaga machine. Oh, that's funny. You've been listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. If you like what you've been listening to, and you know you have, be sure to share it with friends and family, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever. of the hosts, the producer, and the guests only. You have listened at your own risk.